you med student over easy listeners. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. My name is Molly Estes. I'm clinical faculty at Loma Linda University in Southern California. And today I'm joined with the host of EM Over Easy. Andy Little, thanks so much for having me, Molly, for med students. And we have two amazing guests who are also joining us for our discussion today. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Yeah, hi. Good morning. I'm Zach Repinchek. I'm an associate program director at Temple EM in Philadelphia, and super happy to be with you guys here this morning. Hey, everyone. My name's Shane Yu. I am the director of education at the University of Central Florida, and I'm the program director for the Medical Education Fellowship there. Today, we are going to be discussing a topic that might be a little touchy as you're going into your ARIS application season, which is discussing red flags that can show up on your application. Red flags. I know. I know. Red flags. So even just saying it kind of makes you cringe on the inside. Right? It makes me really happy. I like finding red flags in applications. And that's where Zach's going to feel a lot less about me than he did before we started recording. We're going to delve into the psychology behind that here in just a hot second. But when we talk about red flags on your residency application, what we're really talking about are the maybe non-traditional twists and turns that go into just simply surviving and making it through medical school. And to just start off the conversation, I want to begin to pull the audience. Is a red flag an absolute death nail to your emergency medicine application? Consensus? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I come in thinking about this topic. I'm not sure there's a certain thing that I've ever seen in an application that was like, that's a complete deal breaker. So, you know, I was kind of wondering what your definition of a red flag is, because I think there's a definition between something being a flag and something being like an absolute deal breaker. Man, I'll pay you later. We're going to use that as the perfect segue into the next part of the conversation, because it's true. I don't think that I have ever seen anything on an application that 100% eliminated the student from being considered for an interview and being considered for a spot in our residency. Yeah, the only thing I'll bring up is... Some institutions have a very strict policy against a criminal history. And I, that's like a disclaimer there, is there are things Fair. that you can do on your application that we'll get into. But if you have a felony, some institutions have a no, no tolerance policy. I happen to work in one of those institutions that if an applicant has a felony, we are asked not to interview them, not to rank them, and not consider them. So that's probably the one caveat where I would give the I would agree with you. Ask. So when we're talking about red flags, let's define it. So what to you guys stands out as a quote unquote red flag on an application? And when we say red flag, we just mean something that catches your eye in maybe not the most positive of ways. I think you can break it down into a couple categories. And the first one for me would be academic struggles. So everything from failing standardized tests like the USMLE or the Comlex or not passing one of your core courses in med school, that's going to be the number one thing. Yeah, I always, there's a couple boxes on, on ERAS that I always take an extra glance at. One of them is the criminal history, you know, history of being convicted of a crime or being charged with a crime. There's also a box of having had to extend your education for some reason. And and sometimes that's because you got a, a PhD along with your MD and it's not quite so red flaggy, but sometimes it's something kind of vague about, you know, I had to extend an extra year because I was doing something. And you flag that knowing if I actually talk to this person at some point, I'm going to have to delve a little deeper and find out what exactly, you know, caused them to have to extend their education. So don't get any higher education if you're expected to match to your program. Yeah, I mean, high, better, more, educa more education to me makes a lot of sense. But if you're getting more education for a 
less desirable reason. And that's something that we should probably talk about. Fair enough. Fair enough. I tease you because I do the math too. I draw out a little timeline on all my applications that I'm reviewing and I try to make sure that all of the years match up if I can piece together your story and your timeline. But if there's an unexplained gap, that begins to raise questions for me. And I also look for any failed or repeated things and where those might have been. Now, a more maybe minor red flag that oftentimes we will look at is clinical performance. So what are your guys' opinions on applicants who are underperforming in their core clinical rotations, perhaps underperforming on their emergency medicine rotations? Yeah. To me, that shows uh, red flags not so much for their desire to want to be an applicant or apply to my program. It's more how are they going to perform as a resident? And if we look at all the factors we've talked about, there actually really isn't a ton of correlation between getting killer board scores and graduating med school in four years being these awesome tools. But if you look at clinical performance in third and fourth year, that if you're consistently low, I, at least in the 10 years I've been doing GME, I've seen those applicants become terrible residents because they're the same ones that'll show up late when they're off service and they'll look for special exemptions when they're in the emergency department. And they'll have an excuse for everything. And that's not really the trait you want in a resident where if they're continually having a problem, they're the face of your program when they go outside of your department. So they're not going to have a good reputation. It's not going to be good for your program. And you'll probably see performance issues even when they're in the ED. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that I'm a little bit more lenient towards underperformance in the preclinical years than I am in the clinical years. If somebody didn't have, you know, great test scores when they're the first two years of medical school, but then high passed honor, just nailed everything they did clinically, I'm a little bit more likely to overlook any sort of deficit in the first two years. Yeah, I think the big thing you said was consistent low performance. You know, one grade, one bad score, that's not going to do it. But when it's across the board low, that's concerning. It definitely correlates with how you're going to perform in residency. And it correlates oftentimes to other subtle issues of things like professionalism. That's the other third rail, really, of residency application is any sort of concerns for professionalism. Are there any other subtle, subtle things that you guys look at on applications to try to give you hints and clues as to maybe not if you're qualified to apply for residency, but how you're going to perform in residency? Yeah, I mean, if you can suss out professionalism, that really, that's the, to me, more than academic performance, signs of, you know, deficit and professionalism is far more likely to to sink you in my mind than any one particular deficiency in your paper application. I think for me, it's hard to figure out those professionalism things from the paper application alone. You know, I don't know if you want to extend this discussion into the interview itself at all. But for me, it's less likely for me to find a red flag on the paper application that causes me not to interview someone than to interview someone and get more in depth with their application. And that's when to me, the red flags come out. So for example, the biggest possible red flag to me is for you to have something on your application, me to sit down with you in an interview, I ask you about it. And you can't explain that thing. You can't give me any sort of real like meat about what you wrote about on your paper application. To me, that's far more of a red flag than anything that I'm reading about pre-interview. So life happens, stuff goes sideways, things don't go according to plan, whatever. You've ended up with a red flag on your application of any degree in any way, shape or form. How do students preemptively address that when they're filling out their application? Whether Where do you think that they should perhaps explain away some of that stuff? 
And then how do you suggest they address it during the interview so that they're not coming across as making excuses or any of these other more negative things? Well, first, I would say take a deep breath. It's 2023, and it is a much different look than it was in 2013, for example. So no red flag sinks you quite the same way it did 10 years ago. I think for me, the personal statement is the place you have to call it out. Don't try and hide it away. Just specifically state what happened. Give your explanation and your reasoning. And in particular, give how you grew from that. I like that. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, like I said in, up front, there's no one thing I can ever remember reading that was like, this is an absolute deal breaker. If anything, some of these things that we're kind of citing as red flags provide an opportunity for you to create a conversation about something that happened in your life. Like you said, something that you had growth from, something that you learned from. You know, a lot of the conversations that I've had on interview days have stemmed from something that may have not looked so rosy on an application, but it turned us into a great conversation, which really allowed me to get to know someone. So I couldn't agree more with Shane that, that explaining it in a concise but, you know, eloquent manner is a good way to turn a red flag into something potentially positive. Yeah, I look at it this way. So I was a red flag applicant. I had to do my first year of medical Still a school. Red flag. We had our first kid right before I started med school. We lived apart for the first six months. We actually separated for a couple months in my first year, and that led to some poor performance on tests. So I opted to take the second half of first year, do some marriage counseling, get my home life figured out, and then restart. And so when I started applying, though, I was amazed how – I had thought initially I was goner. I was like, I did a first year of med school. I'm going to be stuck doing family practice or scrambling to some IM spot in North Dakota. No offense to all of our primary care no, no, no. Uh, colleagues <laughs> out there. But I thought for sure I wasn't going to be able to do emergency medicine, but I got involved with – uh, ACIP and doing some other, we got involved with EMRA. And, and along the way, as I told my story, more and more people said, just tell your story and you'll be fine. And so I remember when it came to my application, it was, I had to put in, why did I extend school? And I could have just said, no, I could have said nothing. Cause I'm amazed how many people don't put something in their application. Like it's, there's a gap there. You don't explain it. So now I either want to interview you because you're so good to hear your story, or I'm immediately miffed and don't want to interview you. And so I wrote, I think at the time you had 1200 characters, I wrote a 1200 character explanation of exactly what happened and exactly what I did to resolve it. And then again, showed that throughout my clinical time, I got honors or high pass on every rotation and got really good board scores and all the, and to show that that was like a one-off, right? And so for me, it's the, when red flags happen, you've got to be able to prove it was a one-off. And the only way you do that is own what you did or own what happened. Just be honest about it. Cause I could have gone and interviewed at the 15 places I interviewed and told some story that wasn't true. I just told the truth. I said, look, I screwed up. This is what happened. And every single time I told that story, times 15, every single time they said, thanks for sharing that. Sounds like you got, got things figured out. Like, again, because I showed I had a red flag, I owned it, and then I moved on. I think that's the biggest takeaway is when you're filling out your application, if you have a red flag, if you have a gap, if you have something that's unexplained, address it in the application. That's the first step to showing that you own whatever life circumstance it was that led to that eventual situation. And as you said, there you can it can be addressed in the personal statement. There are other specific areas on your application, like in section four, if there's a gap of time, if you have a DUI or some other sort of conviction on your record, there are places for that to be addressed. What's actually brand new this year, too, on the Eris application is the impactful experience essay. And I'm going to caveat this with a huge word of caution to all of our student li listeners. 
This is not a section that is designed to be filled out by every single student. This is a section that is designed for those very unique, very unanticipated, very impacting experiences of life that have led to this red flag that need a little bit more explanation or explanation outside of what a personal statement can do for you. So this is not I failed a class. This is not I didn't pass step on the first try or complex on the first try. This is a I lost my housing and was homeless for a period of time. And that's why I failed my year of medical school. Yeah, there's there's an application that I'll never forget. I reviewed in my new job the first year. It was somebody from Puerto Rico and there was a two-year gap in their thing. And uh, one-year gaps, you can usually write off a one-year gap. Two-year gap. I was like, what's this two-year gap about? And they did a really good job in their personal statement. And then again, in the why did you do it? And they told the story of their family home was devastated during Hurricane Maria. And they had to get a job so their parents didn't go homeless. And they took two years off of med school. And like, I remember at the end of it, like, I'm crying reading this thing. And I'm like, we have to interview this person. But they they just fully owned it. They told the story of why they took a two-year off. And it was impactful. I've also read the ones where it says, I got a DUI. It says, I bet it's like I made an inappropriate decision after a sorority party. And it's like, that. But that's something that you need to own. But that's not the same. Not the same. Again, not the same. And so it's like, make sure that you're picking how you're owning it. Mm-hmm. And making sure that's impactful. So I really like the fact that they've added in this section because there's many of these things that don't really fit in the personal statement. People want to use the personal statement as a way of explaining why they are drawn to the specialty and they're driving their mission behind medicine. And that is what the personal statement is traditionally supposed to be used for. And little things can be explained as part of your journey and your story along the way. But this extra section really gives you dedicated space to be human. Well, I think it allows the applicant actually to do it be on a level playing field with their co-applicants as their personal statement can be about why they want to do EM. And then this area can give them that opportunity. So no, I agree. Precisely. So students have addressed their red flags on their application, and now it comes time to the interview. And how do you go about appropriately navigating those interview questions that are appropriately raised about these red flags? And we've already kind of touched on a couple of these topics. So first and foremost, be honest. Do not dare lie about anything that is going on because guess what? We have patients lie to us every single day and we're really good at picking up on it. What we're really looking for you as we ask you about this experience is for your genuine story, but also for how you have grown and what you have learned out of this experience. I, there is nothing that perturbs me more than if I ask one of these questions and somebody wants to talk about how everyone else around them and every other part of the situation was to blame for what happened to them instead of being able to own their role in it, regardless of what it... Well, I think, Zach, that, that's why I ask. Because I want to know, like, all right, are you going to... Is there accountability involved in this thing? Do you view yourself as, as a victim? Because those are also not good traits to have as a resident as you're asked to work five of seven days or every weekend one block because somebody had a baby. You're going to be putting yourself in a lot of these same type of pressure type situations where these red flag behaviors can come out. And so I want to see what it's like when I just ask you about it. Which are you going to play the I own it or I'm a victim? Those are important to kind of tease out. That's such that's such a good point. You know, when you find something that you want to talk about on an interview day that could have potentially be seen as a red flag, you really want to hear about how you're going to not encounter a similar situation in the future and how you are able to navigate Stormy Sea. You don't want to hear about how something was done onto that person, right? And how they like survived something that that factors outside of their control cause. You want to hear like, you know, this situation happened. These are the things I did to overcome it. And these are the things I'm going to do to 
ensure I'm never in that situation ever again. So I think that's a really, really good point, Andy. What would you all say, you know, it's my opinion that you should kind of volunteer that information as an applicant, even without being directly asked. I think it's more and more programs kind of move towards this holistic review and a lot of standardized questions. So like, for example, at UCF, every applicant gets the exact same questions asked. So there's no, you know, concern that there's unfair treatment or anything like that. So it might end with, is there anything else you'd like to tell me or explain? And I wouldn't try to hide it, just own it. Exactly what we've talked about, say exactly your part, how you grew from it, how you're improved now, but don't try to hide it because it's going to come up. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen is for one of us to uncover something that you were trying to hide and then us feel like you were hiding something from us. That's pretty much a death knell. Yeah. Like we we will not trust you after that point. Yeah. Well, again, I've reviewed applications in the last three years. I've seen the same gentleman and it was somebody who applied to residency. We interviewed him the first try I was at Avon Health, and he, we put him on our rank list. We didn't put him very high, but I saw him the next year on our rank list, next year on the list, and I was like, but it said he had done some training. I was like, this is weird. And the story was is that he did not disclose some of his past criminal history and did not disclose that he was also maxing out a bunch of different credit cards and had collections calling him. And then so in his first two, year, two months of residency, like they did a thorough background check and found out that he defaulted on a bunch of credit cards and then also had some criminal history to bring up and he got fired. And so now I almost wanted to be like being a doctor is probably over for you because you had your chance and EM is not as not like we're forgiving to a point. Yeah. If like, you would have been honest with it in the first place, we could I'm have actually sure we like, could have figured out a way to make it work you, and yeah, advised you 100%. You. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and maybe that's the sum up to. No, I was just going to say, we have so many resources for our residents to help them get through nearly any terrible situation that like, be honest about what that situation is. We have the way to get you through that. And I think that that's probably the sum up to the entire conversation, which is you are never walking any part of this road alone. And you have many, many, many people in your life who are invested in seeing you successful and matched and in the specialty of your choice. And really, the only hindrance to that process is you feeling as if you cannot reach out and ask for help. So if you already know that there's going to be something funky on your application, reach out to somebody that you trust, whether that is a mentor, an advisor, in emergency medicine, not in emergency medicine, in your school of medicine, in one of the amazing organizations you might be a part of, like ACOEP and RSO, just reach out to somebody and let us help you navigate the situation so that this is not the thing that prevents you from being able to get to where you go. Any take-homes from the other part? That was so beautifully stated. I don't know if I can add anything. I would just reiterate kind of the three boxes that we all described, right? Academic struggles, explaining gaps, and most importantly, professionalism concerns. So think really hard about all that. And like you said, have a mentor that's really going to go through your application thoroughly with you to make sure those are well explained. Can I add one source of red flag that we haven't covered yet because it doesn't exist anywhere on the application? social media. I can say I far more often have, you know, red flagged someone because of something I saw them post on social media versus something that was actually on their application. So it's, it's funny you bring that up. I did it kind of casually in the past, but in this last calendar year, I literally, everybody we ranked, we did a social media biopsy just to look for like, okay, what's this person do? And I was amazed at the level of number of people that still post one o'clock in the morning intoxicated pictures. And I'm not saying you can't go out and be intoxicated one o'clock in the morning. I'm not saying I'm an old guy, but you shouldn't post, <laughs> like posting those pictures repeatedly, consistently, 
you know, and then, oh, like during the day I'm at the hospital on my scrubs and then four hours later, you got like, find a little bit of balance there because those are things that, again, are red flags for program. And the, the social media biopsy is a, is a great way to put it. One, you should expect that residency programs are looking at your social media accounts. So when you look at what you're posting, you should think, would I want a future employer, a future residency program to see what I'm posting? And two, for me, it's less like the drinking, the partying type of pictures. But anybody who ever posts something negative about patients or medicine or their future profession on social media, to me, is the biggest red flag at all. of all. Like, as a medical student, I saw this patient today and then say something negative. To me, that's that you might as well, you know, throw your application in the garbage can if you're going to do something like that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us and for offering your insight into this topic of red flags on applications. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We will see you next time. Well, thanks for making it all the way to the end of that Med Student Over Easy episode. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or head on over to our blog, emovereasy.com. Also, don't forget, we are the official podcast for the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. You can learn more about this great organization by heading to acoep.org, where you can find about an upcoming CME event where you might get to see a few of your EM over easy hosts live and in person for a show. Until next time, thanks so much. Thank you.